Yes. What's up, A12? We're alive. Man, it's so good to be here with you guys tonight. Now, um, I, I want to say something right off the bat before we jump right in, just, uh, just because I want to um, get it out here on the table just so that you guys know, and I, I want to just say a little prayer of thanksgiving about this. Um, and, uh, but, um, uh, but I've been a, a little bit uh, rattled over the last couple hours. Today, I was, coming, I was driving over here this afternoon with my, my daughter, uh, who uh, some of you know is she's 22 months. She's a little munchkin, and uh, she's the cutest thing ever. And we were driving over here. And we got in a car accident on the way over here, and uh, and it was uh, it was a pretty uh, pretty serious deal. Five cars were involved, my truck, which is my baby, and uh, two uh, and two other vehicles, most likely are well, two uh, definitely totaled, and uh, and the other two cars were were kind of banged up a little bit, and um, you know of course that rattles you anytime something serious, something crazy like that happens, uh, you know in a moment like that when when you see other people that can potentially get hurt, and you got your little girl in the car. And all that kind of stuff, and and so I just when I got in here, I had to put some worship music on and and just kind of collect myself a little bit, just kind of spend some time, you know, uh, before the Lord. But anyways, I just wanna I just wanna say a little quick prayer for tonight before we get going. And uh, so God, I just wanna pray over tonight. I wanna pray over just this message that you wanna speak to our hearts and and uh, through your Word. And I pray God that you would um, that you would uh, uh, that you would be with me and everyone who was in the accident today. That everyone would would be safe and 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 uh, free of any injuries or anything coming up. Uh, in the future, and uh, Lord, that uh, that my insurance wouldn't go up too much, and <laughs> please, Lord, and, uh, and uh, God, I uh, thank you, Lord, for tonight and for these students. We we love you so much in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, tonight I want to talk to you, man. I love I love this time of year, and one of the reasons why I love this time of year is because I really feel like this time of year is a time when we literally get to live out the mission statement of our church. The mission statement of our church is this, is that we exist to inspire life, share life, and give life. For Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And truthfully, during this time of year, we see people inspiring each other. We see all kinds of inspiring stories through social media. And we're inspired by these stories and inspired by giving gifts to people and receiving gifts from people. I mean, it's a really inspiring, encouraging time. And sharing life, we get to share life with our families, and we get to share life with each other. Next week, we're going to have a big shindig Christmas party throwdown up in here, and we get to share life with one another and, and give life. People give themselves away in this time of year like, like really no other time during the year. In fact, if you were here Sunday at 12 Stone, 12 Stone did something crazy, unbelievable. They had been saving up over, uh, over several years to offer an opportunity for the congregation to give themselves away. And this weekend at 12 Stone, they gave every family at 12 Stone a $100 bill. Over $800,000 were handed into the hands of 12 Stone people this weekend to go and give it away, add to it with their money, and give it away into our community, blessing people and serving people. And what an amazing, amazing thing that is. I think of a student that was in my youth group several years back, the church I was at before I came here. I've been here for four years, and, and so it was the church I was at in Charlotte, North Carolina. His name was Jonathan. And Jonathan, he, he didn't grow up in a very uh, a financially secure home. His mom decided that she didn't want to be a part of Jonathan's life or any of his siblings' life. And she left his dad and, and ran off somewhere. And so his dad was raising him and his siblings in their apartment that was really crammed for their whole family. And, and it, was, it was a financial strain for them. 
And I remember for Christmas one year, Jonathan was just a special kid. And for Christmas one year, Jonathan got a shirt, a pair of socks, and $50 cash to do whatever he wanted. Now, for many of us, that would be a pretty sad Christmas. Maybe not for all of us, but for Jonathan, you know, for me, that, that, that is far less than what I typically get for Christmas. And Jonathan, being the guy that he is, he knew that a friend of his, was uh, their family was going through some financial hardship as well, and, and his friend wasn't going to get that much for Christmas, that Jonathan took the $50 cash that he got for Christmas, and he went and he had saved up a little money, and he had another uh, you know, $20 or so that he added to it, and he went and bought this kid, this friend of his, his favorite video game. Now, not only was it Jonathan's friend's favorite video game, but it was Jonathan's favorite video game. And every week in our high school ministry, we had some TVs set up, and people were playing, the, you know, different video games. And it was the new Call of Duty that had just come out, and uh, and it was Jonathan's favorite game, and it was this guy's favorite game. And Jonathan buys his friend his friend's favorite game, and also his own favorite game. And Jonathan didn't tell anybody about it. His dad caught wind of it. His dad, uh, his dad, just being a proud dad that his son would sacrifice in that way, uh, told a couple people. Anyways, the story got back to me. Now, Jonathan could have never bought himself that game because Jonathan didn't have a gaming system. His family couldn't afford it. So I went out and I purchased Jonathan a brand new, at this time, it's like, you're talking like five, six years, a brand new PS3 and, uh, and the Call of Duty game. And we wrapped it up in a box and I put it on the stage in our high school ministry. I said, hey, uh, you know, and I told the story and I said, hey, Jonathan, uh, I, we, we got something for you, man. We just want to give you something small. It's not a big deal. And Jonathan, like, he's kind of embarrassed, and he comes up to the front, and he opens up this gift. It's a new PlayStation and a new video game, and he just starts crying on the stage. This is the nicest thing anybody ever done for him. And I think of a couple years ago, there was a student here in our high school ministry named Devin. He's now over at our Buford campus and, uh, uh, you know, went with the launch team, the pioneering over there. And he decided to give up his Christmas one year to help a, a underprivileged family that was able, uh, you know, able to, to buy gifts for their, for their toddler little girl. And Devin delivered the gifts over there, and they took pictures of Devin with, with this little girl. And, and I just think of those stories, man, and they're, they're so powerful. I think, of, I think of something that happened this weekend. This weekend, at the, uh, you know, we, we asked you guys, and we said, hey, if you, would, if you would be interested to, you know, maybe make some sacrifices and take a shoebox and go fill it up with some, some gifts and things that we could send to some places around the world where they would not have the opportunity to have anything for Christmas. And my wife and I got several shoeboxes, and, and we got one for Abby and one for me and one for my wife, and we went and bought a bunch of stuff and, and put them in there, and we are so excited to drop them off this weekend, and, and, and people are still dropping them off, and, and, and it's just an amazing, amazing thing for people around the world to be able to be blessed because the Bible tells us to much is given, much is required, and we've been given much in the country that we live in. And, uh, and uh, there's a 10-year-old girl at our Hamilton Mill campus, 10 years old. She showed up at church this weekend with 168 shoeboxes. 168. She took the shoeboxes and she went knocking door to door in her neighborhood and started giving them out to her friends and inspired other people <coughs> to, to put together these shoeboxes. And then she dropped them off this Sunday. And I think, man, what a powerful story. A 10-year-old girl who just cares about people, who cares about people in another place. She gets to get her Christmas and, and 10 times more than these people are ever going to be able to get inside of that shoebox. But that shoebox is going to bless somebody beyond anything that you can even think or imagine. 
And she was willing to sacrifice and willing to do the work and put in the effort to bless someone else. And I love this time of year because that's the way people start to think. At least that's the way most people start to think. And it got me thinking about this whole season of Christmas when we inspire people, when we share life with people, when we give ourselves away. And it got me thinking, man, what if Christmas continued? What if Christmas continued? Why does, why does this heart of giving, why does this heart of selflessness, why does this heart of, of servitude, why does this have to end at December 25th? Why isn't our heart open to serve other people, to give ourselves away like that 365 days a year? See, I think that if I was to look at Scripture and I was to really say, what is the story of Christmas all about? It is all about giving your everything. See, the truth is, is that God gave his son, he gave his everything, he gave the most important thing in his life because he loved us. And, and that's what the message of Christ is about, is that a Savior came. And that doesn't just affect us for today. That is not just something that we get to celebrate on December 25th, but that's something that is for every day. And it's something that we get to celebrate every single day, that we get to now have a relationship with God. We get to be restored to God through Jesus, through this unbelievable sacrifice that God has made through his son. This selfless gift to us that we now get to return that to other people and get to extend that love to other people so that they can see the love of God in us and through us. What an amazing, amazing picture. What an amazing story. And so if I was to give a title to what I want to talk to you about tonight, it is that, what if... Christmas continued. And I think of this uh, passage of scripture in Revelation chapter 3. If you got your Bibles, you can open up there. And, and, uh, and, and in this passage of scripture, um, God begins to address, God begins to address this church at Laodicea. Now, this is the interesting thing about this passage, and I want you to hear this because this is, this is really important. Jesus, in this passage, is addressing the church at Laodicea. He's not addressing unbelievers. He's not addressing people outside of the church. He's given a challenge to the people that are actually inside of the church, the people who call themselves Christians. That's who he's talking to here. Now, in the book of Revelation, we see here at the beginning that, that there's a sort of a letter written to seven churches, and these churches are in Asia Minor. Laodicea is one of these churches. And what I want you to see in this passage of Scripture is this, this theme that happens all throughout Scripture, that when we lose care for the things that God cares about, we get ourselves in trouble. See, if you back all the way up to the Old Testament, you start reading through the Old Testament, every time the people of God began to lose care for the things that were deeply set in the heart of God, they got themselves in trouble. We even see in the message that was given a couple weeks ago during the King series on Josiah that the Israelites had lost their love for God's word. They cast it aside. They called themselves the people of God, but they, they didn't care about the things that God cared about. And, and the, the, the God's word had been just kind of thrown in a closet in, in, in the temple. And King Josiah discovered God's word in the temple. And, and he began to, to put it out for everyone to hear and everyone to see and, and reestablish that in the Israelites' life. And we see this all throughout Scripture that when we lose care for the things that God cares about, we get ourselves in trouble. We lose. And this is what happens to the church at Laodicea. Now let me tell you a little bit about Laodicea before I read uh, Revelation chapter 3. Laodicea was a wealthy city. It was the epicenter of entertainment in the, of this day. 
They had two major entertainment centers where, where you could go and people would come from all over the world to these, to these places just to be entertained through shows and different stuff like that. It was the entertainment center of the world. It would be like, like Hollywood. It would be like the United States, the ent- entertainment center of the world. They, they were much more advanced and developed than most other cities of the world. In fact, uh, they, they had large homes. They had indoor plumbing. They had indoor water systems and, and all kinds of stuff inside of their house, which you can go to most third world countries today and they don't have that. And this was 2,000 years ago. This place was booming. They were the fashion capital of the world. They were they were diverse in their ethnicity, and they were polytheistic in their religion, meaning that they were accepting of a bunch of different religions, and they believed in a whole bunch of different things. Very similar to the world that we live in today. Very similar to the United States. Very similar to Atlanta, Georgia. And we get to Revelation chapter 3, and I want to read this to you. Check this out. He says this in verse 14. We're going to read verse 14 through 18. It says, Then the angel of the church of Laodicea writes, These are the, wor- these are, are the words of amen, or meaning God. These are the words of God, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. He's talking to the church. I know your deeds. I know what you do, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Those are pretty harsh words. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth. I do not do not and do not need a thing. But do you not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked? I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Let me give you a little picture of what's going on here. Laodicea is, is uh, you know, this wealthy city, and, and, and as a part of that, they, they, they had access to hot water, and they had access to cold water. The problem was is that these hot springs and the cold water springs were a distance away from the city, so they had to use aqueducts to get the water from one place to the other to bring it into the city. By the time the water traveled the distance from the hot springs and the cold springs into the city, the water had, had become lukewarm. And one of the complaints in the city of Laodicea was that their water was nasty. Because no one wants to drink a cup of lukewarm water on a cold day, you know what I'm saying? Or on a hot day, you know what I'm saying? You ever been on a hot day and you just want a cold glass of something? Oh, yeah. They couldn't have, she says, no, you lie. And uh, <laughs> lying in church. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I even think about it like this. Um, uh, how many of you guys like coffee? Okay. Amen. Amen, brother. Preach it. Um, I like coffee as well. I drink coffee about every morning. And what I do is, is that, um, is, is that I get a, that I, you know, I get, a, I get my coffee thing and, 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 I, and I put it in my little cup and, and then I take it in my car and I drink it. I drink it in my truck, God rest his soul, on the way to work. And uh, my poor truck. And uh, why you made me cry on stage. Anyways, and, uh, and so I, I put my coffee in my cup and I sit it there. Now listen, I have a bad habit. All right, men, any of my men in here have bad habits of just leaving stuff in your car? Anybody with me? Any of my ladies? Y'all relate to that? I have a bad habit. And my bad, 
my bad habit is that I have a tendency to leave like my mugs and stuff in the car. Now, sometimes when you leave it in the car, you know, you, you leave a little bit down at the bottom, you know, it's kind of like the backwash pie. You know, you get to work and you're like, I don't want to go in and leave it in my office. And so I'm just going to leave it in my car and so I leave it in my car. Then the next day I go and I get another coffee and, and I come to my car and I got like the two little like cup holders there, you know, and, and then I just stick it in the cup holder and then I, you know, I start drinking. So um, about a month ago, I'm driving down the road in, in my, my truck, God rest his soul, and we're going down the road. And I reach over to grab my coffee, and, and I go up, and I put it in my mouth. And when I take this big gulp of it into my mouth, it was not the fresh cup of coffee that I had just made earlier. It was from the cup that had been sitting in my car for who knows how long in the other thing. And so this, like, just lukewarm, nasty uh, coffee goes into my mouth, this big gulp. And immediately I just went, and I spewed it out of my mouth all over the windshield, the steering wheel, all over myself, the dashboard. I'm like having to clean up my car like it was disgusting. And in this passage of Scripture, this is exactly what God is saying. He's saying, listen, church, when you become lukewarm, when you're not on fire for me, I would rather you be on fire for me or I would rather you be cold and, and, just, and just say, hey, man, I don't want to follow you. I would rather you be hot or cold. Because when you're lukewarm, you make me want to spit you out of my mouth. It's kind of like when you're lukewarm, it's kind of like when you put a nasty old cup of coffee and you drink it, thinking that it's going to be hot, and it makes you want to spew it all over your dashboard. That's the picture that he's given here. This is the church of Laodicea. This is God's people. This is the church. This is us. He's saying, hey, listen, be careful not to be lukewarm. Be careful not to be lukewarm. Because it's gross. And what I would say is, is that, man, we, we have a tendency in our life, gravity pulls us to being lukewarm, to being what I would call apathetic. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down, the word apathy or apathetic means don't care. The word apathy or apathetic means don't care. Apathy equals don't care. And we know this all the time. See, oftentimes the reason we don't serve, oftentimes the reason we don't do things is because, honestly, we just don't care. Hey, it's whatever. Hey, I don't care. And, 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 that's, and that's kind of the attitude that these, that these guys got here in Laodicea. One author says this. He says this. He says, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is not hate. It is apathy. Hate can easily be turned to love and vice versa. But if we don't care in the first place, what's going to make us sit up and take notice? When you get apathetic, when you get careless, when you don't care for the things that God cares about, you lose. I remember when I was a senior in high school. Now let me paint the picture for you. When I was a sophomore in high school, my high school baseball team won the state championship. We were ranked every year that I was in high school in the, in the top teams in the state after that, my junior and senior year. My senior year of high school, we were ranked number one in the state the entire year. The team we had my senior year of high school would have beat down the team that won the state championship the sophomore year in high school. We went into the first round of the playoffs playing the, the weakest team in the entire state that we had already played twice that season. Both times beating them by more than 15 runs. 
And we went into the game, and we were like, ah, oh, man, these guys are scrubs. Ah, oh, man, we're going to take these guys out. And so we just went into the game, and we went in flat. We went in careless. We went in apathetic. We started playing around. We started not being focused. We let a few little things go here and there, and we got beat. First round of the playoffs, knocked out my senior high school, ranked number one all year long. Completely knocked out of the playoffs. Because we got apathetic. Because we thought, hey, man, I got this. And this happens oftentimes in our life, too. This is not just a baseball thing. I mean, this is just for our pride when we lose a game. But it's much more when we lose other things in our life. And here's the, here's the deal. When you get careless in your character, when you get apathetic in your character, you lose. When you get apathetic and careless in your relationship with your parents, you lose. Let me tell you something. It takes work to build a relationship with your parents. Can I get an amen? It takes work. And listen, oftentimes we think as students is that it is their job to be the ones to bridge the gap. But the scripture would tell us that it is just as much our job as it is their job. That we have a responsibility in this thing to bridge the gap between us and our parents. Many times we blame our parents for the broken relationship we have with them, but we contribute. We don't forgive. We don't reach our hand out. We don't, we don't go the extra mile. Now, I realize that some of us do, and we still, get, we still face some resistance in that. But I want to challenge you to work in that relationship. We get apathetic in our relationships with our friendships. We get apathetic in our, in our faith, in our relationship with God. We get apathetic in so many different things in our life. I think that one of the biggest breakdowns in marriages, which you guys, many of you will be married one day, so pay attention. One of the biggest breakdowns in marriages is that you get apathetic. It starts out, you're dating. You're like, what's up, girl? Yeah, you're taking her to nice restaurants. You're dressed up all nice. You're all clean shaven. You got the hair cut. You know, makeup's tight and perfect. And, uh, you know, like you are ready to go. You take her to the nice restaurant. You take her to the nice place because the guy should be the one leading and taking her to the dates. You see what I'm saying? That's what men do. And, uh, and so, so man up and take your girl out. And so, you know, you take the girl out and you pick up the check, men. You know what I'm saying? And so, I, you know, you, you, you're doing all that kind of stuff. And then, and then you get married. And that first little while you do that. And then years pass, and then you start thinking, holy cow, man, I, dude, I don't know the last time that I dressed up real nice, got all shaved, got my hair right, because my hair takes work. <laughs> no. <laughs> she said, really? No. <laughs> Get your hair right. And you're like, man, dude, it's been, it's been like six months since we've been to like a nice restaurant and been out on a date and. Wind and dined her and treated her right. See, we get apathetic. In a dating relationship, it's like that all the time. And then the wife starts going, hey, man, why aren't you pursuing me anymore? Why aren't you pursuing me? And she starts to get distance, and you're like, why are you distant? Why aren't we being intimate with each other anymore? Well, because you don't take me out and do anything. And then, and then they start going at each other. And the next thing you know, the marriage breaks down because they get apathetic. It's work. It takes work. Every relationship takes work. So be careful not to get apathetic. We get apathetic in our faith. So what are the things that God cares about? 
I think there are many things, but I think there's a few things I want to highlight, the things that God cares about. Where should we give the, care, the greatest care? And I would define care like this. Care is an inward belief that compels us to outward action. That if we say we care about something, then it compels us to outward action. If I care about my girl, then it compels me to want to treat her right. If I, if, I, if, I, if I care about people who are less fortunate, then it compels me to give of my finances, my resources. It compels me to give of my, my time and my energy. It, gives, it, it compels me to do that. So here's a couple of things I want to give you, and I think these are really important. Write these down if you need to. I'm going to give you two of them. Here they go. The first is give greater care for your spiritual growth. Give greater care for your spiritual growth. I think sometimes the simplest truths are the hardest to live out. You say, well, man, Derek, all right, come on, man. Are you really telling me to give greater care for my spiritual growth? And I'm sure you're going to tell me I need to be spending time with God. And I'm sure you're going to tell me I need to, like, be in the Bible every day. And, and I need to be praying and, and all that kind of stuff. Man, I already know that I'm a Christian. Let me, let me tell you. Let me tell you. The easiest things are the hardest things to live out. Let me explain to you. How do you lose weight? How do you stay looking good and stay in shape? Here it is. You eat healthy and you exercise. Pretty easy. We all know that. But our nation leads the world in obesity. We know it, but we don't do it. It's easy, but we don't live it out. You see what I'm saying? How, how do you get financial freedom? Well, well you, you don't spend more than you make. You tithe so that God can honor your finances. You don't go into debt so that you are bound by debt and can never get back on top of things. You have a budget so that you can work stuff out in your budget so that you make sure you're spending money where you need to spend money. Easy. We all know it. Every adult knows it. Yet most, the average adult in the United States carries around $25,000 worth of debt. We know it, but we don't do it. It's easy, seems easy, but it's not easy. Listen, you have to give greater care for your spiritual growth. You have to. You know it, but do you do it? Listen, it, is, it takes time to say, when am I going to carve out some time in my day to spend time with God to make him a priority in my life? Well, I'll do it in the morning. But then you're going to hit that snooze button. So you can't hit the snooze button. you got to get up. Well, then that morning ain't going to work because I ain't waking up any, any earlier than I have to. Okay, well, then you're going to do it at night, right? Yeah, but then, but then you get down in the bed and you're like, man, I'm just really tired and, and, and I would, or I'm busy or I have this. Let me tell you something. We can make excuses all we want to why we do not care for and cultivate our spiritual growth. But at the end of the day, let me tell you and hear it from me. The most important thing you can do in your life is to care about your own spiritual growth. That is the most important thing. Not the college you go to, not however many AP classes you take, not how much money you make. None of that matters. The most important thing you can do in your life is to cultivate and deepen your spiritual growth. Period. When you do that, God's favor can be on your life and everything else will fall into place. You must give greater care for your spiritual growth. See, that's what happened with the church at Laodicea. Notice some of the things that he said about them. He said this. He says, you are pitiful and poor. They weren't poor. They were super wealthy. And this is what he's saying. No, no, no. You don't get it. See, here's the deal. Your pockets are full, but your hearts are empty. He says, he says you're naked, 
Now, to be naked in this time was, to be, was, was a shameful thing. It was to be humiliated. And to be the fashion capital of the world, they were known for this. Uh, and actually, Laodicea is modern-day Turkey, if you want to know the exact location of it. And they're known for this, this sheep that, that has a, a black wool that it produces. And this black wool was highly sought after and very expensive. They were known for fashion, and he said, no, you're naked. Listen, listen, you are dressed in the best of the best of clothes, but spiritually, you're naked. And then he says to them, you're blind. You're blind. Now, that's a fascinating thing for these people because they were, they were known for their medicine and their advancements in medicine, and especially when it came to, to, to uh, stuff that had to do with eyes. And people came from all over the world to Laodicea, if they had any issue with their eyes, they had this, this salve that they had made, uh, and they would give this salve out that was really expensive for people to use on their eyes that had different eye issues, and it would help them with their eyes. And he's saying, listen, 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 you're helping people see physically, but you yourself are blind spiritually. And he's talking to the church. He's talking to people who call themselves believers. You've gotten lukewarm. You've gotten apathetic. You haven't cared for your spiritual growth. And students, I want to tell you, man, we're going into Christmas. We're going into this season, and we need to give greater care for our spiritual growth. We need to give greater care for our relationship with God. I think this is why this, it leads many believers to say things like this. And I want to say this to you, even if you don't think this, maybe you've never thought of it, maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't, but I want to prevent you from ever thinking this in the rest of your future. But believers will say this, and I hear this from time to time, and it's so immature. Well, I just don't go to that church anymore because I just don't really get much out of it. I just, I'm not really getting fed there. She's not that deep. I'm just not getting that fed. And I always say, man, like, in our church, who feeds Pastor Kevin? Pastor Kevin does. Pastor Kevin feeds Pastor Kevin. Who feeds Derek? Derek feeds Derek. Very rarely will I show up on a Sunday morning where Pastor Kevin is not preaching a message on something that I haven't preached on before, studied, went through many times, read maybe, maybe even a hundred times in my entire life. But I come in and I say, hey, God, what would you have to show me this? And every single week, God opens up something in my heart and in my mind. And, 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 it just, and I just begin to grow from it. And I just consume it. And I love it. And Pastor Kevin always delivers something that really just moves my heart in that. But at the end of the day, Pastor Kevin is not the source of where I get fed spiritually. It is through his word and in my time with him where I get fed spiritually. It's immature when believers leave a church or leave a ministry because like, well, I just get more out of this thing over here. Well, then what's going to happen when you stop getting something out of that? You're going to go to the next thing? You have to get to a place where you know how to feed yourself. And we want to help you with that. That's why we're here. That's why you have connection group leaders. That's why we have life group leaders. Giving greater care for your spiritual growth is you saying, I'm going to be connected to a life group in January. I'm going to make it a priority. I'm going to stick through it in the semester and not just sign up and never show up or sign up and show up three times. I'm going to give care for my spiritual growth. I'm going to make it a priority in my life because it's a big deal. It's the most important thing you can do. You make things a priority that are important. The second thing is this. We need to give greater care for changed lives. We need to give greater care for changed lives. 
If the only story of life change that you can tell is your story of life change, then maybe you're missing something. And I'm not talking about, hey, man, I've been a believer for a couple months or I'm new to this faith thing. But if you've been in the faith journey for a little while and the only story of life change you can tell is your own personal one, then maybe it's time to step up because changed lives change lives. If your life has been changed by Jesus, then, then that is going to affect the people around you. I don't know a person who is faithfully chasing after Jesus with all their heart that is not changing the lives of other people. Don't know one. And I want to challenge you to give greater care. Give greater care for changing lives. I think of this story in Acts chapter 3. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Peter and John go to the temple. Now the temple is the church. They go through the gate beautiful, and there is this beggar that is by the gate beautiful. He's lame. He can't walk. He's there begging for money. Now, I bet you Peter and John have walked through the gate beautiful in their lifetime. Who knows how many times? Dozens of times, maybe hundreds of times in their life, walked through that gate. And this beggar has been at this gate every day since he was a boy. So Peter and John have passed this guy Maybe hundreds of times, at least dozens of times. And so have many, 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 many other people coming to church. And this day, the scripture tells us that Peter and James were walking by and they stopped. They stopped. And then it says, and they looked at him. And the interesting thing about that is, is that if you back up in Acts chapter 1, it is the same look that the disciples had when they looked up in the heaven as Jesus ascended into heaven. And then it's also the same look uh, that, that is uh, the same Greek word for look that is later on when Stephen, the first, uh, the first uh, Christian who was martyred, who was stoned to death, and it says as they're stoning him, he looked up into heaven. That This was an intense gaze. It was more than a glance, more than a checking out, but there was something that was engaging in the heart. It was that they felt his need and they gazed upon him. And as they looked at him and they saw his need and, and he's begging for money, and this is what they said, silver and gold we do not have. We don't have money, but what we do have, we give to you. Take up your mat, stand and walk. And he stands up and he walks and he's jumping up and down and people are going crazy. Holy cow, isn't that the guy that has been sitting by the gate beautiful forever? And in this story, what we see is, is that Peter and John cared about changing someone's life. They stopped, they saw the need, they felt the need, and they touched the need. And if I was to challenge you with something out of tonight, to say this is what I want you to do with it, it would be this. Let's let Christmas continue. Every single day, let's look for opportunities. We're busy, we're walking, we're doing stuff. The people were walking inside of this gate every day, and people were not stopping to meet this need. And, and we walked through and every single day in your school, in your home, wherever that may be. What if you just stopped, saw the need, felt the need, had compassion for it, felt it, and touched it? What would that mean for your school? What would that mean for your home? What would that mean for this ministry? I'm telling you right now. We would see God do something in our community that would blow us away. Not just in Christmas time, but every day. Every day. It's powerful. I love what David Platt says. He has this, uh, he, 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 he has this quote. It's, it's amazing. He says this. He says this. Those who are most effective at reaching the masses are most passionate about reaching the one. 
Those who are most effective at reaching the masses are most, are most passionate about reaching the one. 12 songs tagline, one matters. And what if we went out of here today and we said every day, I want to make a difference in one person's life. I want to give greater care for changed lives. I want to change someone's life. I love what John Maxwell said this weekend. If you're here listening to the teaching this weekend, if you wouldn't, I'll tell you what he said. He said this. He said he was talking to a guy, and the guy asked him, what's the difference between success and significance? He says, success is all about me. Significance is all about others. You can be successful and not be significant. I'm telling you this. I want my life to count. I want it to matter. I want to see people's lives change. I want my life to be significant, and I hope that you do too. I believe that every believer is called to live a significant life. And if we're not careful, we can, in the American church, become like the church of Laodicea. We can be caught up in our own selfishness, in our own lives, in our own wealth, in our own things. And we can forget about the people that are around us. And I would challenge you to not do that. To have greater care for people. To have greater care for your spiritual growth. And let's let Christmas continue. Not just this next coming weeks or two as we lead up to Christmas, but, but beyond that. And I'm praying for this ministry. I'm praying that God blows the doors off this place. I'm praying that we have so many students coming in here that we have to move in the main room over here. And I'm telling you right now, if you begin to serve other people, you begin to see other people and try to change their life, and you begin to step in the lives of people and love them and have compassion on them, you begin to see needs, feel needs, and touch needs, man, God is going to do amazing things. And I want to challenge you with that today.